0: Hey, and welcome to the show today. You're listening to Sensensa.com, Feel Your Heart podcast. And we have another really great show for you today. This podcast is made by Sensensa.com, the leading relationship institute for relationship skills and courses based on science made practical. To get the one-hour free webinar that will give you the key skills to get a safe, intimate, and passionate relationship, just go to Sensensa.com and sign up. The link is in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and leave a review. It really helps me keep the positive energy going to make more podcasts. So, welcome to the podcast today. We got Dorcas on the show, and I'm really excited about this podcast. But we'll be talking about relationships in the context of entrepreneurship, which is a very new angle. And Dorcas have also written a book called Start, Love, and Repeat. And yeah, we will obviously be talking a bit more about the book, but I just think for people that maybe are not familiar with you yet, could you just tell us a bit about your background and why you decided to write this specific book?
1: Sure. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. My husband, Ned, and I, we met in college. And at that time, he was all over the place. He was one of those college kids who changed his major about once every month (laughs) and uh, He could not decide what he wanted to do with his life Whereas I was always quite clear what I was interested in So I had always had a love of writing a love of communication a love of storytelling And and so after we graduated from college um, I went on I actually worked in the nonprofit sector for a number of years and then eventually pivoted to being a full-time writer and and then Ned Kind of still couldn't quite figure out what he wanted to do, um, and and then he ended up starting some businesses. So so he did a small um, business doing children's music, and and then he then moved on to a business doing ringtones when that was still a big thing when when you know mobile phones were just starting to get really popular, and uh, and he found that he loved entrepreneurship. And so by the time we got married in 2005, he started business school at at Stanford University right after we got married and really, really wanted to start some sort of world-changing business, as I think many entrepreneurs want to do, after business school. And, And so while he was in business school, he and a few classmates started a company that actually came out of a school project called d light And they started off wanting to replace every kerosene lantern in the world that is still used by more than a billion people in the world who don't have access to reliable electricity. So they wanted to replace those kerosene lanterns with solar-powered lanterns. And um, and so that was 13, 14 years ago. And, and Ned today is still doing that business and um, they've been able to provide solar powered solutions far beyond light to more than 100 million individuals around the world now, which is super exciting. But the road to get here has been extraordinarily difficult. And I would say especially those first nine, 10 years of the company. Um, it, I think I had always assumed that Ned would have his career and I would have my career. And I never understood until we were in the midst of it, how much uh, a startup is always a family affair, <laughs> whether or not the spouse is directly involved, because the, the number of sacrifices and hard decisions and financial um, questions that come up, that affects the entire family system. And so Ned's work as an entrepreneur ended up having huge impacts on me as his spouse. And um, and it got to the point where I think we were nine years into our marriage and I was just wondering, you know, how is this not getting easier? I keep thinking it's going to get easier. And it didn't. It stayed really hard. And then we had kids and then got even harder. And Ned was constantly working and constantly traveling. And I suddenly felt like a single parent, even though that was nothing I had ever signed up for. And um, and I had to make significant sacrifices in my own career. We had moved overseas for three and a half years and had a really challenging experience overseas because of Ned's business. And and so at that point, you know, nine years into our marriage, I was looking for answers. I was looking for help and I couldn't find a lot out there. So, you know, you look on Amazon, you look in your local bookstore and there are a lot of books for entrepreneurs themselves. On you know how do you build a business? How do you be a leader? How do you make a lot of money? How does it be sustainable? And there's almost nothing available for the families of entrepreneurs. But as I said, we are very intimately involved in the business, directly or indirectly. And um, and yet there's so little out there on how do you make this work? How do you still have a healthy marriage? How do you um, still retain your physical health and your emotional health and raise your kids well in the midst of this very, very intensive kind of work that, that the startup life often requires? So being a writer, having these questions and struggles myself, I decided that I could write the book for, for the spouses of entrepreneurs as well as entrepreneurs on and how do you do it? How do you make it work? And so I got to interview more than 70 entrepreneurial couples. I talked to a bunch of marriage family therapists and executive coaches who work with entrepreneurs and got the best advice that they could give me on um, how does this happen? How, How do you get through this? And hopefully as a stronger couple on the other side.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And you know, one thing I thought when, when you started talking about this, and it's so interesting that you went out and got a lot of real-life case stories and, and case studies. I think that's so important to really feel the impact as well that it has. And I think often we don't think about, like you said, that these decisions impact everyone because, of course, as a family, we're a unit and as a couple too. And that I would love to talk a little bit about what are some of the... The challenges then of being married or dating an entrepreneur, because I can, like you already mentioned, some of them, and I can imagine. I know starting a business takes a lot of time, so of course it it has an impact in regards to how much time you have for each other as a couple, as a family. I know that starting a business can be hugely stressful. I'm sure some of that stress um, translate over to relationships. So could you maybe talk a bit about some of these challenges and also how you and maybe other couples are able to deal with these? Sure. So
1: so as you mentioned time is a huge one. Uh you know there's a term out there called the startup widow. <laughs> and and that came about because uh and it it tends to be more often that men are the entrepreneurs. Uh it's about 70/30. Um Men versus women as entrepreneurs though. I I think the number of women entrepreneurs is gradually increasing Uh, But it does tend to be the the husbands are the entrepreneurs the the women are not and and so um, the the husbands could be you know working 60 70 80 100 hours a week traveling a ton um, and that just does not leave a lot of time to to be with your partner, to be with your children. Um, and, And it's hard to maintain a relationship if you don't actually have the time to give to one another. The financial stress is another huge thing that entrepreneurs and their families have to deal with, you know, especially in the beginning when... You don't even know if you're going to get a paycheck. Oftentimes, most entrepreneurs, the vast majority of entrepreneurs, don't get money from investors. They put in their own money. They borrow money from friends and family. Maybe they get a small business loan from the bank. Um, But then, you know, suddenly you're dealing, having to deal with a lot of debt and not necessarily a steady stream of income. And that can lead to um, huge problems in a family, right? So there's, uh, a number of surveys that look at the number one reasons why couples divorce and money is always up there, probably usually within the top three, right? So, so if there are money concerns that can put a huge strain on on partners. And then um, the, the stress, certainly. Uh, you know, the, they have done studies that have found that stress can be as contagious as the common cold that you just need to be around somebody who is stressful and you will in turn feel stressful. So if your spouse or your partner is feeling really stressed out about their work, then everybody in the household is going to feel it. And what's interesting is that scientists have actually found that this even holds true when you're talking about video chats. So if you know if your partner is somewhere else and you guys are chatting on FaceTime, if you just see them and they are stressed out, you can also start to feel stressed out. And, um, and that can lead to really significant um, consequences, you know, so, so there are, I talked to a number of, of, couples where, you know, maybe they lost their house, they had to sell their car, Um, they couldn't send their kids to the schools that they wanted to send them to because of the financial issues. The the stress would lead to lots and lots of conflict. Um, And in general, there are higher rates of depression and infidelity and divorce among entrepreneurs. Than the general population, about ten percent higher than the general population. So that's significant. You know, all of these different factors coming in and affecting spouses and their children, um, it has a real impact and a real cost on their lives. Um, so when I was looking at all of these challenges, it, it overwhelming to be honest. But as I was talking to therapists and coaches and other couples. I think what was really encouraging to me was this idea that small efforts make a really big difference, especially when you're talking about the people you are closest to. So you may be familiar with John Gottman, the marriage researcher, right? So he talks about his magical six hours. And and so he proposes that that, uh, a couple really just needs six hours a week, broken down into small increments, right? It doesn't have to be all at once, where you're intentionally checking in with one another, where you're, you know, really gazing into one another's eyes, uh, talking about topics that really matter to each of you, that that just that six hours a week makes a huge difference in your ability to connect with one another and, and feel close to one another and stay on the same page about things. Um, you know, same goes with children. So there are a number of entrepreneurs who become estranged from their children because they just don't have time for them. They don't invest with, uh, in them. They're not around. But, but with children, uh, quality definitely trumps quantity. So even if you don't have a lot of time to be with your kids, if you have a couple hours here and there where you can be fully present to them, and, and do activities with them that re- they really love, that you engage them on subjects that they're really interested in. That will make a huge difference in strengthening your relationship with your children. Um, and then every single therapist I spoke with talked about something called agreements, right? Which is the how couples need to sit down and make agreements about you know, how are we going to be toward one another? How are we going to treat one another? How are we going to deal with conflict? And, and you agree on those things and you write them down so that you don't forget, because we are amazingly good at forgetting the things that we promise to our spouses and, and we write them down. And that, That gives us a foundation from which to work from. So when a problem does arise, when there's conflict, when there's a hard decision to be made, you have something to go back to of. This is what we agreed to in terms of our priorities, in terms of how we love one another, in terms of how we're going to talk through these difficult issues. Um, and and again, that's another relatively small thing that couples can do, but it makes a really big difference, especially when you're all under stress and not thinking very clearly um, to, to be able to have these kind of foundational bedrock things that you can come back to.
0: Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And I really like the point of, of quality time that you talked about about you know we don't actually need that much time but it's about the quality and I think it's a really important point because we live in a, a world a culture where we're all struggling for time and I guess entrepreneurs or, or partners of entrepreneurs even more so to get that but it's really about putting away the telephone not have the tv on in the background and be able to properly focus on each other like you said and give each other eye contact and then even small bits of that can be really important and even having some rituals that when you came home you take you know, I used to do this where we would have just three to five minutes where we would check in with each other and the kids could yeah. sit and do their thing. And I know everybody said, oh, but there's kids, but there's dinner. I know, but it's actually better for the kids if the two adults are connected. So it's really important to mm-hmm. actually prioritize reestablishing that. Connection beforehand, even though people say they don't have time. I say you don't have time to not do it because trust me, you will pay the price later. Um, So I I think that's so good that you said that about that quality time. And I want to talk a bit about more how to deal with the stress because I know being an entrepreneur brings a lot of stress. And as you said, you're right, our nervous system are interlinked even more so when we are so close. So we pick it up even over a video call. So, what are ways to deal with this stress so it doesn't end up spilling over into your quality time or the little quality time that you do have?
1: Well, the reality is that stress is inevitable when you're starting a new business. And so I think that's something that you just have to kind of accept and be prepared for it. So I think as much Preparation work, as you can do before launching a new business, is all the better for you and for your loved ones. So, if that means you know taking care of your own stuff first, if you need to go see a counselor, if you need to have uh, a good sit down chat with your mentor or with some good friends, um, and and work through some things, uh, talk to your spouse, come up with a plan of okay, you know when things get really hard, when we're really really busy who's going to manage what, how are we going to support each other? What does it look like to support each other when we are both feeling really overstretched? Um, So, so I think that's part of it. You know, in, in my book, I actually talk quite a bit about identity because um, it is so easy for entrepreneurs. And I get this, I do this myself. I think this is sort of just a natural uh human tendency that we have and I think especially in um cultures where you know I'm in the U.S. and so cultures where work and professions are really valued as part of who you are there is this tendency where the work that we do becomes fully wrapped up into who we are and and so for entrepreneurs I think that's even more so the case because the business is your baby you birthed this you're nursing it you're you know trying to grow it into adulthood and you've put so much of the best of who you are into this entity and so it's very easy to feel like how this business is doing is a direct reflection on who i am and my own value and worth as an individual and and i think it's critical for entrepreneurs to be able to have some separation because you there are so many factors in the business world in the world in general, right if we talk about pandemics and all kinds of things, things can happen to you that have nothing to do with you things can happen to your business and and so your business may be really struggling and really flailing but you can't let that then translate into an assumption that therefore I am a worthless person or therefore I am a failure. you know I talked to a number of entrepreneurs who, said it it feels like a death and i i can understand that i could totally sympathize with that it it can feel like a part of you is dying when your venture is dying uh but but that will only add to your stress right so um there's so much you can't control there's so many things are going to be coming at you constantly from a business perspective and so you need to be able to separate yourself out and realize that Even if this venture, as much as I love it, as much as I've put into it, even if this doesn't make it, I'm going to be okay. I am still a person of value and worth. Um, I still have a lot to contribute to the world. There is something that can come next after this. This is not the end of all things. There's, There's a quote from an entrepreneur in my book where he says that his business failing he's a serial entrepreneur and and so it was one of his business that had, businesses that had failed and he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him because he finally realized that even when his business ended that he could still go on and that his wife still loved him his kids still loved him his dogs still loved him you know there was still a lot of life for him to relish and love and pursue um, and I think that if entrepreneurs from the beginning can um, can be very conscientious about that about you know trying to separate out your identity and your sense of self-worth from your business that that will allow for a much healthier way of of um, of living life and and I think it actually gives you a lot more clarity in your business decisions. Because one of the things that many entrepreneurs do is they hold on too tight and they try to control everything. And even when sometimes the the enterprise has outgrown them and their skills and their abilities, but they still want to hold on. Um, But it being able to separate yourself gives you a healthy distance and and gives you that perspective on okay what is best for me? What is best for my family and what is best for the business.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. It's always about that balance, isn't it? Of being engaged and passionate without making it your identity, as you said, because then we get so attached that we don't have perspective anymore and also that we get impacted even more. So that's a really good point. Also like what you said about having a therapist potentially to speak to. And I think this comes down to the fact, again, we, we used to live in tribal societies. Now we don't, we are much more isolated. So we put much more expectations on our partner and therefore most of our stress end up getting offloaded onto our partner and I think it's so important to again create your own little tribe that you can speak to about your challenges your frustrations etc your stress so it doesn't all have to be put on to your wife or your husband for that matter if it's a female entrepreneur um, that you can go out and, and you have different friends, you could have a therapist, but just have different spaces where you get that outlay. I think that's really, really important. And also, I think one thing that I did, which I think works really well, is if we had a particular stressful day, is to be aware and sense in our body, okay, I feel stress and on edge, and then rather than walk straight into the house with all that stress that will then, you know, to some extent impact your partner, could be to do some kind of physical exercise. It can even be just running around the block a few times because physical exercise release that adrenaline, right, and cortisol that's stored up. It's how it's meant to be released, you know, the fight and flight. And that means at least when we go in, we calm down that nervous system a little bit. So it's just a thing I used to, to do which work really well to kind of reduce the impact that it then has on the family
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and you alluded to this earlier and I, I think it's definitely worth mentioning again that we are so tied to our devices nowadays which means that we are also perpetually tied to our work and it is awfully convenient but it does a number on your mental health, right? And especially during stressful times when things are not going well. Um, And and that, you know, I I heard a psychologist once say that every time your phone pings and you get some sort of notification, it is like, you know, in the very olden days when we were all, you know, cave people. And it's akin to somebody coming up behind you and tapping you on the shoulder. And, and our first instinct, you know, you mentioned fight or flight is, is that it's like, is this person tapping me on the shoulder? Is it a good thing or is it a threat? And, and it's the same when, when our phones ding us we wonder, is that going to be a good message or a bad message? I mean, you probably don't think it consciously, but but there's something in your brain that gets triggered that that kind of gets you ready for whatever it may be that's coming. And, and so it is a very, very healthy practice to turn off your phone, to turn off your computer, to put it away. You know, we have a rule where we say no devices in our bedroom. Um, and so we keep our phones and our laptops um, and iPads and everything out of our bedroom because you cannot get away from those notifications, right? Or even if you see it, you'll start thinking about what could possibly be on it. And um, and so you need to create physical spaces for yourself that, that are free of those devices as well as time. Um, so, you know, when Ned and I go out on date nights, we don't Look at our phones. We put our phones away a lot of times. Ned doesn't even take his phone with him because he knows that he is very likely to be tempted to look if he even has it on him. And um, and so it is so good for our minds and our bodies to have those real breaks um, from from the work and from the stress and from the thinking about work uh, because we need that to reset and reengage with our loved ones. And um, and kind of just give give our our bodies and our minds and our spirits uh, so these moments of quiet and and restoration, which then allow us to be much more effective in our work and in our relationships.
0: Yeah, and it really makes such a big difference. I remember when I had a quite chaotic time in in my previous business and. I went off for a trip to down the Colorado River, white uh, whitewater rafting in Grand Canyon for eight days and you have no cell phone reception and it was just magic. I could literally sense how yes, it calmed I'm down sure it, was. it just calmed down my whole nervous system. And it was actually incredible to then come out and feel the shift as soon as we're back in the airport. Everybody turned on their phone, bling, 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 and suddenly the stress came back. So it really is, I'm so happy you mentioned that, because getting into a habit and having a common understanding or agreements around phones and all these other devices is really important. Otherwise, it will constantly interrupt and take up our attention and our stress response. So I think it's so good that you mentioned that. And I also want to talk a bit about whether there's a way that people can somehow... Yeah, prepare and have some discussions beforehand, like we're talking about now, making agreements around when to use the phone. What kind of discussions are good for people to have before they, you know, jump into this and have a relationship with an entrepreneur or before the entrepreneur starts up a business? Um, would it be good for the partners to sit down and maybe go over certain topics and agree on certain things?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think. You know, as almost any good therapist or psychologist will, will tell you, I think you got to start with yourself first, right? So, so each partner needs to look um, deep within themselves first to, to figure out what is the work that I need to do? You know, are there, so for example, I uh, personally have a lot of stress around money. Um, it just, you know, I, I come from an immigrant family my my parents were okay when i was young but there was just a lot of stress around money and there was a lot of talk about stress around money and and that got planted deep into my psyche and so i just have a lot of stress around money and and so i've had that awareness for a while right and and so to know what are those tender places within you that are really going to be tested when, when you're under stress, when there's a lot of uncertainty, when there isn't a steady income coming in where you don't know where you're going to live or what you're going to be doing or when you're going to be having kids, right? There's all these huge unknowns that can happen when you are an entrepreneur or when you're with an entrepreneur. And and so to have that awareness of um, these are the things that are going to be hard for me and and how can we Address those things even before hopefully before we get to the really stressful point So so it could be a therapist it could be you know, just kind of journaling and um, and becoming really aware Self-aware taking personality tests. Um, you know, there are all kinds of great tools out there to to help us better Understand ourselves and the better we understand ourselves and our partners I think it just gives us kind of a roadmap forward of okay you know these are the places where the the journey will probably be pretty easy pretty smooth and this is where we're going to hit some bumps and this is where we're going to sink into a valley and 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 what are we going to do when when we get to those points and and so the agreements that we mentioned are really key i think as part of those agreements um it is so important especially for entrepreneurs and their partners to talk about boundaries, like have boundaries be part of your, um, your agreements. So, so when, when you hear the term boundaries, likely you often think of time and that is very important, right? So boundaries around, you know, I'm going to reserve Saturday morning to spend with, with the family. I'm going to reserve Sunday night for a date night, with my spouse with no devices, you know, we're just gonna go out just the two of us, right? Um, Or by eight o'clock at night, every night, I'm gonna stop taking phone calls. Um, I, I have a friend who he and a colleague started an investment firm. And, you know, even though they're investors, they were very much in the startup mode and it was really, really difficult, really stressful and they made a policy a company policy from the very beginning and they said they told everybody who worked with them we will not be taking any calls or checking any emails during dinner time so these are the hours you know six to eight or whatever each night that we are committed to spending with our family doing dinner with them and we will answer nothing (laughs) during that time and and they just put that expectation out there from the beginning And I think that that is a really wonderful thing because not only do you want to set those expectations and make those agreements, but you want to communicate them to the people who need to know. Whether it's your partner, whether it's your business partner, or your clients, or whoever, I think it's really important that other folks know that you've set these boundaries and, and give them an opportunity to respect it. But when we talk about boundaries, I think it's not just time; it is also physical space. So I mentioned, you know, spaces where you do not allow work to go into. So it could be your bedroom, it could be your backyard or garden. Um, It could be, you know, when you go out and visit your relatives, or when you go out to a restaurant, Um, we all need physical spaces where we just feel like this will be a refuge for me from, um, from work and from the stress. And so that's something that you can agree on with your partner of these are the places that we're essentially going to set aside as sacred spaces just for us, just for our family. And we don't want work to encroach on that. Um, for for entrepreneurs and their partners, another really, really key area of setting boundaries is around finances. So I mentioned earlier that a lot of entrepreneurs go into debt to start their business. And, you know, I I talked to one couple who they had $100,000 in credit card debt from trying to run their business. And, and some people can hang with that and other people like me just could not manage that. That would drive me bonkers. And so to, to know those limitations that each of you have as individuals and to, to discuss that, to agree on it of how much personal money are we willing to invest in this? Um, You know, how much time are we willing to go without a salary? What is our household budget? Like, what is sort of like minimum standard quality of life that we feel like we need? And what is the budget that will support that? And, and those are essential things because it's so easy once you're in the middle of a business to just keep throwing money at it because you, you feel like that's what's going to do it right if I if I just keep investing more resources in that's it I just need a little more time I can make it work. Um, but but it's that sort of endless um, just constantly giving to a business without any endpoint that can put a huge strain on individuals and on families and ultimately lead to huge losses like losing your home. Um, and so you want to agree on those limitations ahead of time. Um, and related to that, I think to to talk about timeline with one another and have agreements on that of, you know, okay, let's um let's set these goals, uh, look for these milestones in this business. Within six months, can you get to here? you know, in terms of revenue, in terms of size, um, in terms of customer base. And and then, you know, if so, great, then we keep going from there. If not, let's check in and see, like, is this really something that we want to continue doing? Does it really make sense? Because, you know, we have to remember that um, one in 10 startups will not make it past the first, I think it's three years. And so just to know it's a part of life. It's a part of the entrepreneurial journey that, that not all businesses are gonna make it. And and that's okay, the the average entrepreneur or the the, um, on average, an entrepreneur needs to start, I think it's something like three and a half (laughs) businesses before they hit on one that is actually sustainable. Um, so, So to just have that be part of the equation to recognize that this may not work, but let's give it our best shot. And this is how we can do it in a way that's sustainable.
0: Yeah, and you bring up a really interesting point here when you also talk about how they had was a hundred thousand dollars in in credit card mm-hmm. debt, and I think I guess it's an important conversation to have with our partner before starting a business. Also, how risk adverse each partner is. Like you said, for you, it can be a big trigger if around money. So again, so you both know how much risk can you actually take as a couple? Because you're right, if one person just go in and keep taking more and more risk. And it's causing the other person a lot of anxiety. That's going to cause a lot of stress on the relationship and doesn't really make it a team, which a relationship is supposed to be. So it's probably quite important to to agree on what risk is, is acceptable, right, to take within that. So I think yeah. that's a great point you brought up. And actually, it brings me on to the next part, which is if somebody is not yet in a relationship with an entrepreneur, but is considering dating somebody who's an entrepreneur, what considerations should they maybe have before jumping into this and actually committing?
1: Well, I think it is really helpful to go into it with your eyes wide open. So I think, you know, at least here in the US, we tend to really glamorize entrepreneurship and we look at these folks, and I, and I mean, they are amazing people, so I don't mean to take away from that. But um, but if you dig a little bit deeper in almost every single one of these individuals, right, you'll find a lot of mess underneath. And um, you'll find that a lot of them have sacrificed family and friends and even their own integrity. You know, there's a lot of things that can get lost in the mix of it all. And to recognize that that comes with the package. Uh, so I, I spoke with one psychologist who explained to me that you know um, that entrepreneurs in general have kind of a particular psychological makeup, right? So they they are much more willing to take risks. They are really keen on always seeking like something new and novel and exciting, and it's like they kind of need that. Um, that hit. You know, it can almost turn into a bit of an addiction of you need that adrenaline rush of pursuing something new, of doing something exciting, of trying to break the mold. And that's super exciting when you're dating someone. Um, So I think that's also something to be aware of is that dating an entrepreneur and marrying an entrepreneur are entirely different things. So dating an entrepreneur, super fun because they are much more likely to be the person to spontaneously say, Hey, let's go on a road trip. Or, you know, I'm going to take you to this cool restaurant that no one's ever heard of. um, Or let's try this different thing that, that no one's ever done in the history of the world on a date, you know, like, they are just going to be fun and different. And, um, And they're, they're going to keep, you know, your dating life super exciting and super interesting. And they're just fascinating people. Um, And, and I can certainly say that of my husband is from the very beginning, I was really intrigued by him. I was like, who is this person who, who doesn't play by the rules, who doesn't seem to, you know, think the way other people think. And, um, and, and so great for dating, but once you get into, a marriage or a committed relationship with those individuals, those same characteristics that really attracted you to them in the beginning can turn into liabilities. They don't have to, but they can turn into liabilities, right? And so that uh, willingness or desire to always seek something new and exciting, that can be detrimental, right? I think that's part of why entrepreneurs tend to have more extramarital affairs than than um, the general population because there is that sense of you know I wanna I want something new I want to get that that high again um and and it uh, it chafes against our natural desire I think especially as we get older this is probably less so in your 20s and maybe early 30s but as you get older especially when you have kids right it, it is kind of just this natural human desire to have a little bit more stability and entrepreneurs aren't necessarily going to bring that at least not you know when when they are younger and um and so just to be aware of that 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 those are going to be tensions that you need to live with if this is somebody that you're going to commit with long term and so is this entrepreneur that you are thinking of committing to is he or she willing to compromise is he or she willing to talk through things and really hear you out really hear your concerns and make changes based on that? Um, you know, can they approach your relationship with a team mindset, um, and, and see that, that all the choices that they're making in their career, a lot of them are affecting you directly. And so is it something that you can discuss together and figure out together? And, um, you know, it's not every man or woman for themselves in this, in this relationship, but, but it is about, um, working together and, and being willing to put in the hard work, it's really hard and really uncomfortable to, to kind of lay our biggest dreams on the table and and entrust it to our partner Um, and, and figure out, you know, assuming that we both have dreams we want to pursue, how do we make this happen? And, and, and so I think that's a lot of the conversations that I would advise individuals to have with, with one another, certainly, if if they're in a relationship, but also with you know their close friends and and um, trusted advisors and and therapists, because that's a lot to work through.
0: Yeah, and I like the point again you bring up around you know how risk adverse the parties are, and there need to be some sense of compatibility at least, because if it's too on the opposite side of the spectrum, that can obviously bring a lot of of issues and challenging long term. If if one really wants a lot of stability, and that can't be provided. Um, so At least it's good to be aware of it. It doesn't mean people shouldn't go for it, but it's just good to have that awareness. Um, I think what I wanted to speak to about or one of my last questions here today is what you do to then keep that intimacy. You mentioned that obviously you try to organize it, you have date nights, etc. How do you make sure that you can then in all this chaos and craziness that entrepreneurship is, how are <laughs> yes. you able to maintain that intimacy in a long-term relationship? Because you're right, a lot of it is exciting in the beginning, and I guess that's normal for for relationships in general, but you're right, even more so here. And then some of these things actually maybe even become irritating or liabilities later. Uh-huh. So right. how, how do you still keep that intimacy going um, long-term?
1: Yeah, well... I I think one of the most important things for any relationship, whether you're with an entrepreneur or not, is a sense of personal growth. You know, is this a person who will continue to challenge me in a good way, who will call out the best parts of me, who will very gently address the uh, the worst parts of me um, and someone who genuinely wants the best for me and wants to see me mature and grow into more of who I was meant to be. And so just to, you know, address what you were saying earlier, it actually is very common. I think it's more common than not for entrepreneurs to end up with partners who are more risk averse. And, and I think that it, you know, there is something to be said about the old adage of opposites attract. And I think there can be something really healthy in that. You know, Ned and I certainly fit that profile in terms of, you know, he is all out there in wanting to take risks. And I am very much not that way. <laughs> but but over the years, we have challenged each other. So I have challenged him to kind of, you know, tone things down a little bit more, be a little bit more grounded and not be up in the skies so much. And, and he has really pushed me to take more risks and to live more courageously and to try things that I never would have tried before. And, and I think that that actually really helps with the sense of intimacy because you, you do see one another as this other person is an integral part of my life. And, and he or she is contributing so much to me and who I am and is making me into a better person. And, um, And so there's just this joy and this sense of satisfaction that can come and contentment when you feel like, oh my gosh, this is exactly the right person I needed to to help me grow and mature. Um, And then, you know, thinking about kind of more logistically how how you help maintain that intimacy. Date nights are absolutely key. I, I feel like it's become a little bit cliche at this point, but I, I can't stress enough how important it is to set aside time one-on-one to be with one another, to really be with one another, not, you know, looking at your phones, not just staring at a screen together, um, but really being together. And and so there are good date nights and there are not so good date nights. <laughs> um, and, and I think, especially when you've been with somebody for a long time, it's easy to fall into a pattern of, oh we're going to have dinner we're going to talk about the kids we're going to replay what happened today and it just becomes not that interesting <laughs> and and so there is a way to cultivate a sense of excitement even you know 10 20 30 years into a relationship, because we are each very deep and complicated people. And I feel like I can be uncovering the mystery of my husband, I could probably spend 100 years trying to figure out all of who Ned is, and I still wouldn't know. Um, And and so I think it really helps to, to see your partner in that way of there is still so much more to this person that I don't know. And I would love to spend more time getting to know those things. And so um, there are a number of tools and books and things online that you can find that can help facilitate good conversations with your partner. So there was one of my favorites is the, the New York Times had published this 36 questions that lead to love a number of years back, but it's still online. You can still access it. And the original design of those 36 questions was to expedite the dating process to help you get to know someone really deeply, really quickly. But I have found that most married couples haven't even asked one another those questions. And so Ned and I actually did that practice. I think at that point we were married for maybe 12 years and we went out on a date night. We took those 36 questions with us and it was still, you know, so that was, three or four years ago. Now I still remember that night and it was still one of the best dates we've ever had because we were learning all these new things about one another that we had never known. You know, it, it asks you questions like, um, what are your greatest hopes? What are your greatest fears? How do you feel about death? Um, you know, what is your most treasured memory from your childhood? And, and it's these, these things that we don't always necessarily get into unless we're really, really intentional about it. And by the end of that, you know, hour and a half dinner, I mean, Ned and I had cried, we had laughed, we had, and it just, it built such an incredible sense of intimacy because those are things that I had never told anybody else. And And it's all those acts of intentionality, of sharing, of being vulnerable with one another, of connecting with one another. Those are the things that are going to strengthen your bond and carry the two of you through the most stressful and uncertain times that may come your way.
0: Beautiful. And I really like the part that you mentioned about, well, self-awareness for one, and also the growth, because... The fact is, as long as we keep growing, one helping each other grow, there's a common goal and vision in the way of supporting each other in that way. And there's also new things to learn about each other if if both partners are growing, right, which uh, to some extent keep mm-hmm. it also interesting. Like you said, there's always new things to explore. Um and also I like the point that you said with the questions. It sounds like a great book. Just this idea of breaking the standard routine, because it's so easy to just get stuck in the same patterns. And I remember this cab driver who gave me a great advice once. He had three kids. And I asked him, you know, he said he was really happily married, twenty something years. I said, So what's your secret? He said, Once a month We find a way to sneak away for a night somewhere else and be away with no kids Mm -hmm. around and just have time for each other. And we're in a different environment, which also made sense to me because when you're in your house, again, it's the same pattern. You feel the same way. There's something about taking ourselves out into a different environment, right? So we feel different and experience different and share something new together. Um, And I just took that on and I thought, you know what? It's actually a really good... Piece of advice, if it's possible, of course, to try whenever possible to make small getaways where it's possible to just have that attention for the partner, however long that's yeah. possible for. Um, but I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful to have this discussion with you, and I also think if people are sitting out there, some of the listeners, they want to um, buy your books or speak to you more, etc., or have you in as a speaker, um, etc. What are ways that they can get in touch with you? Would you be able to just let them know?
1: Sure. So, my book, Start, Love, Repeat, is available on Amazon and I think a number of other online booksellers. Um, it's available as a hardback, an ebook, as well as an audiobook. So, you can choose whichever one you prefer. And, and then I actually have a, a new book that just came out. Um, this may be of more interest to the entrepreneurs. Uh, which is telling the story of of my husband's startup and how they went from this really small class project at Stanford to now a social enterprise that has Provided solar power to more than a hundred million people in the world And and that book is called let their delight and so that's available on Amazon as a paperback and ebook as well and um, I love hearing from people. So please get in touch. My website is changtozen.com. And so you can get in touch with me that way. I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter. And so any of those those places as well. I have a really unusual name. And so just search for me. I'm the only one in the world. So you will find me very easily yeah, <laughs> on I'll, those I'll social put the link media the, platforms. I'll put the link
0: in the description as well. So they can just check down there. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, um, and please get in touch. I do, I really, really love hearing from people. It's, that's been one of the best parts of publishing this book has been hearing from, especially the spouses of entrepreneurs who have written to me and said, I thought I was the only one who struggled with this. I thought no one understood. A number of them actually have said, I think your husband is my husband's twin brother <laughs> because they are just so alike. Um, and, and how you know, it, it helped so many couples feel like they were seen and understood, and it gave them hope that there was a way of doing things differently and a way of doing things better, um, and that it was possible to sustain an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial life as well as a long-term relationship. Um, and so so please do get in touch. Um, I love talking to folks and speaking and um, whatever I can do to, to help entrepreneurial couples out
0: there. Thank you so much for coming on your podcast today and sharing all your expertise. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and come back for our new weekly podcast. Also leave a review to keep the positive energy going that really keeps me motivated to make more of these podcasts. If you want to learn the key skills to a safe, intimate and passionate relationship, then head over to sunsense.com and join the free one-hour webinar. The link is in the description. You'll learn the four reasons that relationships break down. The how your attachment style may fuel conflict with your partner and how to break that cycle, why people cheat and the one tip that can prevent it, the simple three-step formula to lasting love. So thank you for joining us today and I look forward to seeing you next week for another podcast.